greener on the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hour number two, green and growing. Glad you're here on a Saturday morning. Hey, there are lots going on in the Atlanta area this weekend, as well as spring break travelers returning home. So uh, definitely plan to be patient if you're going to be hitting the roads, whether you're going north, going camping maybe, going out east and heading to Augusta National or maybe just traveling back up through South Georgia. 404-872-0750 is the number to get on Green and Growing. Any question related to the outdoors, I will try my best to answer. And I bet you that if it's something that you stump stump me and we just uh, put an all call out to the general public and other gardeners and say, hey, anybody else have any experience with this? We will get you an answer no matter what. So talked about um, growing produce and a pike class that's actually going on today for homegrown produce. And Mickey Gasaway heard that and called in the show. Good morning, friend. Good morning. How are you? So I think you're up early because you may be teaching that class at the West Cobb Pike. Is that right? Yes, I am. I do most of the classes at West Cobb. And this is going to be a fun class. I think it really is. And there's just so much to grow. You know, I just can't wait. to. I'm going to do my garden, put it in next week because I've got some time. So I can't wait to do it. Now, how do you cover all of it? Because you're going to have the vegetables. You're going to have the burying plants. You're going to have fruit trees. That's a lot to cover. Well, it, we're not going to do fruit trees. We're going to do primarily uh, vegetable gardening. Okay. All right. Very good. Folks so are getting really... At least, at least that's what I'm going to do. I think that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> You'll find out when you get there. No, but oh, folks well, are yeah. really antsy to plant. And uh, tell us the advice that you always follow as to when to plant those tomatoes. You pay your taxes, then you plant your tomatoes, yeah. according to my daddy. <laughs> can't, can't go wrong with that. We heard meteorologist Christine Edwards say, you know, I mean, this was back in like 1910, granted, but I think the latest freeze was April 25th here in Atlanta. So more recently for some parts of Metro Atlanta, just a few years ago, April 22nd. So yeah, April 15th is a safe bet. Um, yeah. And something else that you were so excited about, and I do remember us talking last year about this somewhat new plant at Pike Nurseries, and you're excited because it's back. It is, and I've already got mine, so I wanted to make sure I got mine before I mentioned it to anybody else. <laughs> it's my favorite sun annual. My favorite shade annual, of course, is dragon wing begonias, but my favorite sun annual is brown-eyed girl. Huh. It is, it's a helianthus, which is a, um, a sunflower, but it's small. It goes in a pot. I think it gets two and a half by two and a half or something like that. And it, it, they say it has a thousand blooms, and it truly does. It was my most favorite plant last year. Everybody loved it. I, in a big container, and it it, I, it bloomed until um, probably almost Thanksgiving. What color are the flowers? They're yellow. They're yellow with a uh, kind of a goldy yellow with a brown center. Okay. And then is it something you have to deadhead to keep those blooms no, coming I on? No, I didn't do anything. Really? To it. I didn't do anything to it. I guess it helps if you deadhead, but. I, I don't. I don't remember doing it at all. And I got mine yesterday. I'm, I'm probably going to put them in next week. But um, if you want them, get them early because they're just once anybody gets them, they buy them year. After, I think this is the third year I've had them. Okay. And once anybody gets them, they get them year after year. So look for brown eyed girl. That's a fun one. Now, so when would you recommend you know planting summer annuals? Y'all do have some that are either in the nurseries now or definitely in the greenhouse on the way. But, you know, we're starting to think about impatience and sun patience and things like that. I think the first thing, remember, I don't, you probably don't remember, you're too young, but <laughs> post properties used to 
do all everything in Atlanta, and they always put their um, begonias out first. Okay. So they're a little more cold tolerant than some of the rest of them. But I think most things are going to be all right after this weekend, I think. Fingers That's crossed. Good. Let's hope so. Yeah. Well, Mickey, yeah. thanks for the tip on, uh, you know, now you're going to have a run on folks going to Pike Nursery and getting brown-eyed girl. Right, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> All right, yes, you will be live in the studio with me in two or three weeks, so we'll answer calls together, which I cannot wait to do with you because your vast knowledge and expertise and experience in gardening is is unmatched. Um, so I, I mean, appreciate that. I- and if folks want to sign up for the class that uh, Mickey is teaching at, at her location, but other Pike Nurseries as well, Homegrown Produce, you may want to call the store as it opens and make sure your local Pike Nursery still has openings. They're trying to still keep class sizes limited. But uh, yeah, check that out. Go ahead and go on pikenurseries.com and you can look up the store closest to you on pikenursery.com. And uh, find the phone number as well. Mickey, have a great Saturday. Up next from our own newsroom here on 95.5 WSB, Bill Kayanchio joining us live from Augusta National. Hey there, Bill. Hey, Ashley. How are you this morning? I am great. I've been so excited to have you check in. And so we can talk a little bit of golf. We can talk a little bit of landscaping. But this is just such an amazing tradition that Georgia is home to. And how Mm -hmm. many years have you been blessed enough to go to Augusta National? Well, the first time I, I've been, I came with my dad when I was a young uh, kid, but the first time I covered it actually for radio was in 1995. So wow. it's been a long time. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think probably over the years, as you continue to go out there, you probably see a lot of father son combos. What yeah. good memories for a family to make? Absolutely. You know, we brought our two sons here uh, about five or six years ago. We came twice for practice rounds and you know you really when you watch it on tv you really can't get a good idea of exactly how beautiful this place is until you actually see it in person and all 18 holes each have a name or a, a flower yes. or something that's featured yes. at that, that hole right that is correct that is correct wow um yes every one of them is named and if you ask me, if you quiz me, I have a book here that could tell you <laughs> the names of the holes, but I'd have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't know by heart either, but I remember getting that list a couple of years ago and just being a little overwhelmed. So you've heard enough interviews with the golfers over the years. Um, tell us what it is that is just sets Augusta National and the Masters apart from any other you know, PGA tournament that they play in. What is yeah. it that they're most excited to come to Augusta for? Well, I think, number one, just the, the aura of the whole place. I mean, I think everyone just loves the club and loves to come back here every year. It's the only major they play at the same location every year. And just the, the beauty of the place, the fact that it was uh, founded by Bobby Jones, who was a revered golfer back in the day. And, and it just has such a – it's just the, the – when you walk on the grounds, you really do truly feel like you're walking on hallowed grounds. And I think the, the fact also, also that it's the first major of the year for the golfers, they, they get really excited. Uh, to, it kind of like is the rebirth of the season, if you will. And I think everyone's just, uh, it's just a very prestigious tournament. And it's been, you know, going on for so long and, and people just love it so much that uh, it's, it's one of those things that, Every golfer strives to win the green jacket. That's what I was going to say. There's nothing like that green jacket. You think a Super Bowl ring or something, but yeah. everybody on the team gets one. But that green jacket, yeah. there's one yeah. per year. Yeah, and I, I think that's part of it. The, I've heard I, I've heard players quoted as saying 
They don't care about the prize money this week. It's all about winning the green jacket. Isn't it? I mean, just the whole ceremony behind that. So you mentioned Bobby Mm. Jones, Robert Mm -hmm. Trent Jones, Mm -hmm. uh, buried at Oakland Cemetery. And for those of you who have not made a trip to Oakland Cemetery, that is a fantastic not only place to go and just reflect and relax and take a nice stroll, but it's a garden as well. So there's a ton of plants and things to see. But, Mm -hmm. of course, his headstone lined Mm -hmm. with golf balls, you know, in tribute, everybody that goes by there, which is still such a cool tradition uh, here in the southeast. So talk to someone maybe in the car right now with their family on the way out to Augusta, headed I-20 east, that long trek out east. Um, what to expect? You know, I mean, I know there's certain yeah. things around the gift shop that everybody wants to flood there, yeah. the food we have to eat. Tell us to get, how to get the full experience, Bill. Yeah, no doubt. So the the thing of it is the, the gift shop is usually pretty crowded. So you'll want to you want to kind of pick the time where you go. There's going to be long lines. Uh, I always found that the best place to go is the back of the course oh. uh, by the Berkman's Gate. There's another gift shop that a lot of people don't know about. So it's behind like the 13th hole. If you want to think about there, it's kind of the back end of the course, but it's usually less crowded than the one at the front gate. Um, and I would suggest eating any of the food. It's all, <laughs> it's all well-priced. Um, uh, the pimento cheese is one of the favorites, the egg salad, uh, the barbecue sandwich is excellent. And it's all very reasonable. The one thing you, it, now granted, it's hard to get a ticket to this event, but once you get in, they get, the food prices are, you'll be stunned at how cheap they are. You know, it's one of those things, like, I mean, this is a terrible example, Bill, but like the rotisserie chicken at Costco has not changed its price. <laughs> no, it's always been the same. That, and I think it, the food at Augusta <laughs> National is no different. It, it is like Costco prices out here. <laughs> Inflation yeah. to be darned. They're going to stick yeah. with that same yeah. price on yeah. Pimento. And if you get an adult beverage, you get to come yeah. home with the plastic cup that has yeah. beer on it. The cups and the, and the beers, actually, I think it's $4 a beer. I usually don't drink while I'm working, but that's okay. I'm at, <laughs> Your boss is listening, so that's good you said that. <laughs> exactly, but the beer's, beer's cheap, too. Just It's not like going to a baseball game where you pay 12 or $13 for a beer. And so have you noticed, you know, you've been on the course for about a day or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's mm-hmm. in bloom, right? I mean, they yeah. are so yes. strategic. Of course, this yeah. is planned around the time of year when the azaleas are going to bloom, the beginning of spring, yeah. as you said. But, um, I mean, they're just meticulous about how yeah. well they maintain those azaleas to make sure there's yeah. color everywhere you look. Well, a lot of people that may not know the history of the Masters, uh, actually, Augusta National sits on the site of an old nursery. So um, it was the Berkman's Nursery way back before it was Augusta National, and it, that's why the the flowers and it's it, 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 the beauty is stunning here. I mean, it truly is. And, and yes, they they planted at this time of year, but I think I, there's always been talk about how Augusta National maybe controls it a little bit to make sure that they're blooming at the right time. But but I have been here in years past when it's been a little too warm too mm-hmm. early where it's all green, but it's very rare. Usually it's all perfectly in bloom right at this time of the year. And um, it, it's an amazing place. And uh, when, you, when, you, when you stand at the clubhouse and look down at the property, uh, it's, it's kind of funny. You, you kind of think about what it was like back in the day when it was just a nursery. Gosh, I mean, it's, it's what heaven feels like. I went to one practice <laughs> yeah. round back in 2018 and just... I, I couldn't move. I just stood there and yeah. looked. And I forget the hole with the bridge over the water. That's yeah, a that's famous the, hole, Yeah, it's too. probably number 12, the Hogan Bridge. Yeah. Yes, and I just was like, this is incredible. So, <laughs> all right, well, before I let you go, Bill, you got to give us an update. I know, you know, Chris Camp yeah. has you on during the news as well. But who's <laughs> leading? Who's doing well? Well, Scotty Scheffler is the leader. He's the uh, world number one player right now. He's been playing great. He's won three times already this year. 
And uh, no one's really surprised to see him playing well here. He's got a five-shot lead right now uh, halfway through the tournament. So, But there's several guys that are, you know, that are close by. Hideki Matsuyama, who won last year, is just five behind. Sanjay M., who, who resides in Duluth, he's just five shots behind. Um, and then DJ uh, Dustin Johnson, he's just uh, six shots back. Anyone can make a move today. Scheffler, you know, he, the nerves, he's got to battle the nerves today. He's never won a major. Oh, so he's wow. definitely the guy to watch. And, and Tiger tees off at 1 o'clock. He, he still continues to amaze. He's one over par. He's nine shots off the lead, but he's only four shots out of second place. So we'll see how he does today as well. Yeah, anything could happen. Two more days and no chance for rain in the forecast. So I think we'll get everything <laughs> yeah. in by Sunday as we should, right? That's- that's the good news. It's going to be cold today, though. Ooh. So it's going to be interesting, cold and windy today. Good windbreaker, some layers for sure. Hey, Bill Cayancio, really, really appreciate you checking in with the listeners this morning and giving us the best info about Augusta National. No problem, Ashley. We'll talk to you next week. And, hey, I'm going to say have fun at work because I know you were having a blast <laughs> at this assignment. So, yeah, have a great weekend, Bill. Okay, Ashley. See ya. All right. Good to hear from you. 404-872-0750. When we return, the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. It's Ashley Frasca on WSB. You want an update on your weekend weather? I got you. Got you. Brought to you by Finley Roofing. So from uh, our own meteorologist, Christina Edwards, today a high of around 55. It's going to be partly cloudy and very chilly, as you heard Bill Cayancio say there out east in Augusta. So dress in layers, definitely a windbreaker. Uh, temperatures right now are about 10 to 15 degrees below average. So some sun today, definitely more sunny tomorrow, high of around 70. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right. You've got the weekend. You've got all week. Um, We had some callers earlier concerned about the weather, which is a legitimate concern. So number one, I want you to be ready to protect tender plants just once or twice more, especially those potted trees and shrubs that maybe you haven't gotten in the ground yet. I myself have a diamond spire gardenia that is still in the pot, and I... I have carried that thing in and out of my breakfast area at least five times since I got it in the mail about a month ago, just because I'm going to play it safe. It's tender. It's young. It's the sweetest little thing, and I don't want it to get uh, hurt. So if you can easily do that, just kind of back and forth, back and forth. I overwintered some mums, moved them, and uh, my new little dwarf fig just up against the house for the weekend, just so it's shielded a little bit, and that should be sufficient. Uh, Like I said, bring things in if you can. Number two, also uh, wait until the end of the month to direct sow some of your summer vegetables. So that is just meaning that you put the seed straight into the garden. And I'm going to get into um, next weekend and also on the Facebook page uh, how to you know really think about building these raised beds. It's probably something you should have already done. But if you want to make notes for next year and you're thinking, man, I really missed an opportunity this year, I'm going to get into a lot more detail about how to do that economically and efficiently and get raised beds ready. And it's not too late. You can do it. You can still have a late planting of your summer crops, but you'll definitely have it uh, ready and the soil will be great for fall crops as well. All right, number three, keep deadheading pansies. Don't be tempted to remove green foliage on anything like daffodils or whatever as they're wrapping up their spring show. Anything from bulb and tulips look great uh, now as well. But as the flower dies, keep the, the leaves and the blades up there because all of that feeds the bulb and gives it you know nutrition back to the bulb. So you want to keep that on as long as you can. But with limbs and 
you know, greenery and all those kinds of things, once something is dead, it's not doing the plant any good. So that is when if it's yellowing, it's going to die. So that is when you can safely remove something from any plant. And yeah, keep an eye out on those azaleas as you're driving around. Keep an eye out for their cousin rhododendrons that are going to just be exploding open soon. A lot to look forward to. And talking to you, 404-872-0750. It's green and growing. Stay tuned to WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Still some time left before the end of spring break for many of you that got to enjoy that. A couple of days where you may want to get out and go get the family active and involved. This is a great time of year. Of course, a little cold this weekend, but that won't stop a lot of you. Uh, The Chattahoochee Nature Center is going to be a fun place to take the kids. And also, you heard Chris Camp mention right there, the Atlanta Dogwood Festival, of course. You heard at the top of the show, um, I got to speak with Executive Director Brian Hill, and they are back in full swing. All 260 vendor spots are full, and I was by there earlier, and it's just uh, you know entertainment and great things, food as far as the eye can see. So that's going to be a wonderful walk and a good experience for a lot of you if you want to make it down to Piedmont Park and the Dogwood Festival today and tomorrow. Uh, discover Woodstock Scavenger Hunt. That's something that's fun that began uh, right the the beginning of this month and runs through the month of April. So uh, you can visit their social media pages, Downtown Woodstock, to see more about that scavenger hunt and get the kids involved in that. Of course, we mentioned uh, Pike Nursery is back with in-person classes, and they're free. Most of them are free, 9 out of 10 um, are free, but you do need to sign up ahead of time on their website, pikenursery.com. The one today at 10 a.m. at most locations is homegrown produce, so you may want to call ahead on the nursery, make sure that they have um, available spots for you. And then, of course, Spring Flower Fest at Callaway Resort and Gardens. You're still going to have Daffodil Color Fest up at Gibbs Gardens in the ball ground area. There are still some daffodils that are hanging on, a couple of my mailbox, and I didn't want to cut them and bring them in just because I wanted to let them be orchid days at the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. If you're in the area of Piedmont Park, why not stop by ABG and check out orchid days as well? A lot going on. So I try to keep you posted uh, with classes and garden opportunities and things to be doing, especially this time of year. There is no shortage of stuff. So visit my website when you go to wsbradio.com slash green and growing. You'll be able to get to the website where there are the podcasts, Uh, blogs that I've written for the radio newsletter that goes out, questions and pictures from you all of things you're seeing or troubles that you're having, and then keep scrolling, and there's the events page for uh, classes and garden opportunities. 404-872-0750. So with the onslaught of spring, it's not all unicorns and roses and wonderful things because we do have some some negative things that as gardeners we need to stay on top of and be aware of. Of course, one is the advent of a ton more insects, right? So not only mosquitoes bugging you, carpenter bees going after your deck or your patio, 
um, but just all kinds of things that you need to be aware of. And as you start thinking about being proactive and knowing what you might experience and encounter in that vegetable garden and how to get ahead of it, whether it's tomato hornworm or anything else. Uh, You had cabbage looper on the cool season crops. I mean, goodness knows there's no shortage of that. Uh, Aphids as well. So something you may be seeing as well, which a listener pointed out to me, and I talk about this every year, is uh, leaf and flower gall that happens commonly on azaleas and camellias. And I remember the first time I saw camellia leaf gall, it was the weirdest looking thing because, you know, these camellias that are finished blooming are on their way to being finished, the japonica camellias. Um, They're going to keep their leaves and they're beautiful. But a lot of the leaves are that deep green color. And you're walking along looking at a camellia bush, which could be huge. And all of a sudden you're seeing these neon green, like lime green leaves that just stick out like a sore thumb on this bush that's supposed to be this deep green color. And the the leaf looks puffy. It almost looks like the, the rind of a lime. And that is leaf gall. That's exactly it. A wasp kind of inserts itself into the leaf and that's what causes the swollen puffiness. Um, also can be uh, carried by spores. So depending on last spring and summer's conditions, maybe had a lot of cool, wet weather and high humidity, those spores are going to stick around, whether it's on the plant, in the soil. They can overwinter. And then as new leaves, uh, new leaves and growth emerges now, this time of year is when those young leaves are a little more tender, especially on azaleas right now. So also a symptom, not only a swollen, discolored leaf, but you may also see it starting to brown and curl a little bit. And there's just going to be this unnatural, waxy looking, at times white um, deformity on the leaf. So really be on the lookout for that cultural control. If only a few plants are involved, it's going to be pretty easily controlled by just hand picking those leaves off and then throwing them away. You know, anytime you take diseased leaves, maybe a black spot on roses or something, anytime you take diseased parts of the plant away, you don't want to drop it back on the soil. You want to go ahead and remove it from the situation. Don't dump it somewhere where it could just, you know, there's spores. So you don't want to dump it somewhere where the wind could carry that to other plants nearby. So uh, make sure to pick those leaves with the affected gall off. Fungicides are okay. Um, But that's a little overkill. So you can certainly check in with uh, your local county extension agent if you really need to go that route with something. And also, now that spring is coming about, you're going to be able to be reassured that any plants that you had that you've been looking at for the last couple of months, and you've sent me pictures, that Ian sent me a picture of his butterfly bush, and he's like, oh boy, I think this is dead. It doesn't look good. And it really didn't look good. It, It was pruned and it was chopped. But it didn't look good. And my Rose of Sharon is the same, kind of from the hibiscus family. Over the winter, this stuff just goes bare limbs. That's it. Uh, And, you know, as you're walking by, kind of resist the urge in the wintertime to scrape the bark or to break the limbs. Because if it's pliable, if you go to bend a limb and it's pliable, it is still alive. But if you can just see dead tissue at the cut, at the tips of the branches, then you'll you'll know that it's dead. But I told Ian, hang on just a little bit longer, uh, make sure we're going to see some new growth. And sure enough, thank goodness, he sent me a picture with some new leaves starting to form on that butterfly bush. And I do major pruning on a butterfly bush back in February. And again, like I said, for about two months, it's going to just look awful and bare and dead. Rosa Sharon, same. Hydrangea too. A lot of folks start that really aren't as familiar with hydrangeas start to worry about those just looking bare. And you can certainly, you know, if the, the expired flower blooms, the mop head, the macrophylla hangs on to those 
uh, expired flowers. You know, it almost looks kind of skeletal. And those don't bother me, but a lot of people, they bother. So you can remove those stems. But generally, as these things look bare, may not be the time to do a whole lot to them. So you've you've been patient through the winter months, and I commend you for that because now things like hydrangeas, butterfly bush, rose of Sharon are starting to leaf back out just fine. And something else that, uh, you know, timing is everything, right? So when you're installing something new in the landscape, um, Fall is really ideal. Early spring is going to be just as good. It's getting the plant enough time to acclimate to where, as it's still setting out root growth, it's not going to be overstressed with the heat of the summer. So that is the worst time to plant something. Um, but Vic emailed me, too, and had landscapers install uh, boxwoods in his landscape and noticed just maybe after one year, these new boxwoods, which, you know, it's just a brown or a, a green evergreen shrub you know a hedge almost um up against a house generally you know could be anywhere in the landscape though they do tolerate full sun um but just after a year long of them being planted whole stems whole limbs of the boxwood just completely dead i mean it light brown not even dark brown like it just came from yellow but finally just completely dead a light brown color so i my recommendation to him was you know if it's not boxwood blight, which is common. Many of you have maybe heard of that. And once that starts to affect boxwoods, they all need to be taken out. But that's going to be quick defoliation. That's going to be the leaves are going to fall off really, really quickly. And with Vic's photos of his boxwoods, that wasn't the case. The the dead parts of the plant still held onto the leaves. So I don't necessarily think it's blight. But nevertheless, you always want to go ahead and prune out the dead material. If it is diseased or something like that, it's just robbing the rest of the plant of the nutrients that it needs. It's not doing any good. So go ahead and go to the very base of the plant, prune out anything dead. But also with that and like sky pencil holly and things, you may want to look out for aphids. Um, aphids could be commonly affecting certain you know, parts of a plant and, and looking for scale as well. Um, aphids you're going to see on the bottom sides of the leaves, and there's all kinds of horticultural sprays and things you can use. Um, and also just knocking stuff off with a hose. If you see insects on a plant, that's where I would start. Instead of going to the garage or the shed and pulling out the chemical sprays and insecticides that you have, I would go ahead and use a strong jet spray from the hose and, first of all, knock off what insects you can. Same goes for houseplants. If you need to remove them from the house, put them outside for a little bit, spray them with that hose. That's going to be first one of the ways to tackle. But aphids you'll see on the undersides of the leaves, and they will start to you know, defoliate and kill a plant. But also scale. A lot of times you'll be able to see scale as something white, um, along the limbs and the stems of a plant, and it's just a bunch of little insects gathered together in one place, and then to us it just looks like white, sometimes a little cotton spot on the stem. So just be on the lookout. I mean, you just never know. You really have to investigate. You can't stand back from a plant and observe it that way and try to figure out what's going on. You really need to get in there, observe it at different times of day, how it's reacting, you know, if it is getting better, if it's getting worse, what the prognosis is on it, give it some time. And you always have the option, too, of being able to go to Pike Nursery and cut off, you know, a dead part. Know what plant you've got. And if you don't know, they'll be able to help you. But at least know what plant you have. Cut off some of the dead material. Bring it in. And with another set of eyes, maybe a fresh set of eyes, Associates at Pike Nursery can also help diagnose things a lot of times, oftentimes, and then recommend whatever the right mode of treatment may be, um, whether it's an insecticide or maybe it just didn't have good environmental conditions. 
Another thing that I had suggested to Vic for just whole limbs of his boxwood dying out uh, was maybe they were planted too deeply. Just because a landscaper installed them doesn't necessarily mean that it was done right. Um, So you really have to go back and check. You don't want to plant anything too deeply below the soil level. You know, you always want to plant up a little bit because all that's going to do if it's buried too deeply is retain water right there at the root flare and the base of the stem and the trunk. And all that moisture is just not going to be good that you never want a plant to stay with wet feet, as they say. Um, So that could have been it, too. And keep in mind, like I said, you you really need to go back and look at work that is done. Um, Oftentimes, not that I'm saying don't trust landscapers, but it's on you to make sure before they leave, I would go ahead and walk through the project. If you have any questions, have them. You know, you're paying for their time and their expertise. So if you have questions, walk the project with them. Uh, Ask them questions. You know, if it's now, how do I go about maintaining this or something? Uh, And this was terrible, not to throw any power companies under the bus, but um, a lot of power companies I've seen all over Metro Atlanta starting to do tree trimming um, up against high lines, you know, and power lines that are in neighborhoods and areas that obviously are not buried below ground, but they're there from pole to pole. And uh, had that case the other day at the end of my parents' driveways, two really tall crepe myrtles. And now's, I mean, I guess you can cut them, but we've kind of missed the ideal window of when to be pruning crepe myrtles. And they just topped those crepe myrtles away from the power lines. And in doing so, cut the cable to my parents' house. So my parents were without uh, any kind of internet or cable or anything for five days. I thought they were going to go bonkers. But again, any worker like that, I know you can't control what the power company's doing out at the street, but when they're topping trees, you can do your best to go out there and say, hey, I want you to make sure you do that right. You know, you've likely at some point in the beginning of that invested good money into those plants or whatever they are. You do have to be conscious of how far off the street they are, whether it's your property or not. But uh, going out and really, you know, expressing concerns to these people, not attacking them by any means, but just, you know, why are you cutting that now? Don't you know what what that is? And you have a right to do that because then you're going to end up with the effects of either a really messed up plant or if people aren't careful, you're going to be left the lingering effects of them just being careless. So really be mindful of that and stay on top of people. Okay, that's enough for my soapbox. Time to take a break. When we come back, the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. It's 95.5 WSB. And we're back on Green and Growing, the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Meteorologist Christina Edwards joins me live in just a moment. But first, let's do this. Green and Growing Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Pretty easy things to be doing. Number one, be ready to protect tender plants once or twice more, especially those potted trees and shrubs that you haven't quite planted yet. Bring in the things that you can or cover them. Keep an eye on the forecast and I'll elaborate in just a moment. Number two, enjoy your azaleas bursting open right now. Keep an eye on their cousin, the rhododendrons, as they'll start blooming soon. And Chinese fringe, laura pedlum, those are putting out those pink firework-like blooms soon. Number three, Wait until almost the end of the month if you need to direct sow some of your summer veggies. That means 
planting the seed straight into your garden. So you see the theme here of the top three things to do. Meteorologist Christina Edwards with me live in the studio. And Christina, what is the uh, the hesitancy here for gardeners? Well, it's really reminding ourselves that as much as we're inspired to dig in the garden and get those plants in the ground, the reality is that our final average last date for spring freeze is still in April. So you need to be aware that if you do get a little bit uh, ahead of the game, here, you need to be ready to protect your your plants. So what is the actual last spring freeze, if you will, for Metro Atlanta? Well, usually it's about March 30th. The further north that you go into the North Georgia mountains, it's April 10th. Wow. But our latest on record for Atlanta, city of Atlanta, was April 25th, 1910. And for the Athens area, it was April 21st, 1953. Personally, I've lost quite a few tomatoes and a few rose bushes myself with the April freeze of 2007. So that's always going to stick in the back of my mind. That was about, uh, that was an early Easter weekend. So for now on, I always use tax day, April 15th, as my rule of thumb. Yeah, Easter moves anywhere from March to April, as we've seen. So you're right, April 15th is a hard date. And what did you say folks have uh, said in the past about Mother's Day? So Mother's Day, I've been hearing that a lot on my social medias. And Mother's Day is a great uh, rule of thumb because you can sometimes get a record low down into the 30s for late April and early uh, early May. But quite frankly, that is an outlier. A good average would be April 15th. You know, a little bit colder temperatures than what we would like to see for Masters weekend. And here in Metro Atlanta, it's a little chilly. Is that due to the rain that we had had earlier in the week? It's actually because of a reinforcing blast of cold air coming in from the northwest. So we have a a, a what we call a back end low coming in through the the state of Georgia, and that's reinforcing that bitter cold air that's surging in. A few of us might actually see some flurries way in the North Georgia mountains here in the metro area. It's just going to be cold and breezy. Oh boy. And tell us one more time, since this is kind of an iffy month, the difference between a freeze and a frost. So a frost is when it's sort of like a dew, but it froze, you know, and you can get a frost with temperatures around 37 degrees. A freeze is when you have those temperatures get down to 32 degrees. A hard freeze is down to 28. And a hard freeze is for uh, quite a few hours at 28 degrees. A light freeze would be around 32 for about an hour or two. But depending on what kind of sensitive plants you have, like tomatoes, yeah. tomatoes do not, not like their temperatures to be too chilly. I know that there is a threshold for you need some cool mornings in order for them to flower and things like that. Uh, but a good rule of thumb with, with tomatoes is they don't, they don't like anything below 37 degrees. And just to remind all of you, too, any winter or cold hardy plants that you do have, you'll see after a dip in cold temperatures. They may wilt a little bit like pansies that has happened to them. Water these things ahead of the cold weather. That means they've got water in the soil to kind of take up through the stems and the leaves and they'll bounce back a lot more quickly. But something wilted, I wouldn't overreact. Christina, thank you so much for joining us early and for the insight. Happy to be here. When we come back, more of your calls, 404 872 It's Green and Growing on WSB.